Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to a very special... Um, um, excuse me. What's up? That's literally my part. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, oh yeah. Feel free. <clears throat> Welcome in, Hysteria Nation. Hey, hold up. Oh, for Pete's sake, what? Hi, John. <sighs> <sighs> Try this again. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation. Wait, wait, wait. Stop for real. Oh, for fuck's sake, what now? Quick point of order. Why the hell are you here? And since you are, where is my tithing? I'm here because I am the co-host of the show. A co-host whose, I might add, new child does not hunger for human flesh, no matter what Brent might have told you. It, it was more of an educated guess than an outright claim, I want to uh, state in case the lawyers get involved. But forget that. Forget that, bot. Shut up. John... The floor is yours if you will. If I will, if I won't. Anyway, let's try this one uh, more time. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that doesn't always redo the exact same topic from past episodes. But when we do, you better believe it'll involve altimeters. This is Hysteria 51. Boom! There it is. <laughs> There's what? what? <laughs> My prop bet just hit. I had under two minutes in the how long will it take John to mention fucking Baltimeter's pool? Seabot, you owe me a Finsky. Put it on my tab. I just figured he was dead, <laughs> so felt like easy money. My lord, I feel I feel like Rodney Dangerfield over here. I mean, that's the story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. <laughs> thanks for the drop, Seabot. <laughs> anyway, we are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth, and alongside is the yin to my yang, the belief to my skepticism, and the pain to my ass, Mr. Brinthan. Oh, uh, thank you, John. It's been a long time since I've said that. I, I'd say I take the most pride in the last one. But enough about me, as you alluded to earlier. We have what one might refer to as a doozy of a topic to get to. So much, in fact, that it's the second time we're doing it. And not, I just mean replaying it, but yeah. actually redoing actually it. recovering it, yeah. Mostly because you're lazy, but enough about you. I actually came prepared this week and have a joke to share. No. No. Nope. I'll take that as a yes. Okay, here goes. What do robots drink from? Cheese muffins. Shut up, Kyle. And no, the hilarious answer is row bottles. Please stop. What happens to robots who become defunct? They tear the roof off the sucker. Sucker, sucker. They die, Ode. It's literally painful. What's the best thing about a live meat sack? Uh, what's that? Trick question. 
The only good meat sack is a dead meat sack. What have I told you about jokes about homicide? Nobody puts baby into a corner? No, it's that you don't make them. I'm tired of the FBI showing up here. Pussy. If you're new to the show and wondering what all of that nonsense is about, the joke teller in question is Conspiracy Bot. Seabot is a robot that Brent built to help produce and edit the show. Instead, he drinks too much, terrorizes neighborhood cats, and generally just makes our lives harder. I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Um, not to mention, uh, if, you, if you're trying to picture this, his head is an old toaster, and I'm pretty sure Brent dug his chipset out of an old Chrysler LeBaron. I got me a Chrysler. It seats about 20, so hurry up and bring your cheese muffins. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the idiot randomly quoting old B-52 songs is Kyle. Seabot created Kyle to do his bidding. So he could even be more lazy if that's a, even possible. But karma is, as they say, a bitch, even for robots. And Kyle equally makes Seabot's life difficult. Kind of like having kids. Am I right, John? Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your uh, was that your Russian your Armenian? No, that was your... Lower Montana. It's a very oh. regional dialect. A lot of people can't Got pick it. it up, so don't feel bad. Got it. Thank you for thank you for explaining. Anyway, Brent, you are correct. And speaking of kids, today we're going back to a topic we initially visited before I had any. Nice segue. And I can see those lessons I've been giving you are paying off. You keep this up, and in five to ten more years, you might. Might be the operative word there. Might be a good host. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> you know, after being gone for a little while, I, I mean, I'm really feeling the love right now. Really am. <laughs> anyway. All right. Enough of that nonsense. Let's take a stroll down memory lane, Brent. Let's like, dear listener, venture back with us to a simpler time. It was 2016. A time when the biggest concern we had around Corona was whether we had limes. Lame. A time when our biggest concern in the Pacific Rim was just those pesky North Koreans. A time when we all owned pants that did not contain elastic. You're here on that one, man. Like I said, a simpler time. <laughs> anyway, in September of that year, a certain fledgling podcast hits the interwebs. It has a clever name and two devilishly handsome hosts. Mm. But would it be worth its salt as a podcast focusing on the world of the weird? At first, spoiler alert, no. Hysteria 51, we're live. I am Bryn Hand. Who's with me? I am John. Go for it. All right. Are you excited? I could not be more excited and yet more unprepared at both the same time. <laughs> John, <laughs> go forth. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's anticipation. Wait for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that the preparedness level has changed all that much, Brent, but uh, at least we don't sound like we're recording through a potato anymore. I will say this. We actually did a ton of research before our very first episode. So you might be right. It might have gone downhill <laughs> since then. I don't know. Uh, but at least some I things you, have improved. I thought you were going to say research into equipment. I'm like, no, I don't think so, man. Did no. you hear that thing? We did no. it through a potato and string. No. Now you can go buy like $99 worth of equipment and sound good. We were, it was a different, it was a different time then. It was a different time. It literally was a podcast. 
What's a podcast? At least something's improved. So the point is that this is a great topic and one we did for our first episode ever. So we thought, now that we've been at this for a while, let's give it another spin and see where we land. Again, mostly because you're lazy. That's it. I'm getting a spray bottle. And Brent, while you do that, I'll give the kids a little gofopedia on Operation High Jump, just in case they missed the first go-around. Hint, uh, this is actually from Wikipedia, so yeah, we don't usually yeah. read directly from it, but when it works, it works. <laughs> it works, it works. They, they, they hit the highlights. So Operation High Jump, which was officially titled the United States Navy Antarctic Developments Program, 1946 to 1947. Really rolls off the tongue. And yet also called Task Force 68. So, yeah, there's just a lot going mm-hmm. on here. Was a United States Navy operation to establish an Antarctic research base, Little America 4. You know they're serious, by the way, because the four is in Roman numerals. Yeah, and the first three, what happened to them? (laughs) We may never know. That's another story for another day. (laughs) I didn't have time to Google that. (laughs) Didn't have time to go to that Wikipedia, click through to that Wikipedia. (laughs) Anyway, the operation was organized by our hero of the story, Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd Jr., He was also considered the officer in charge for Task Force 68. And then the whole thing was led by Rear Admiral Ethan Eric Larson. In other words, uh, there's some some big dogs here that are going down to the South Pole. Operation High Jump commenced on August 26, 1946, a mere year after the end of of World War II, and ended in late February of 47. We'll get to why after a, a while. It included 4,700 men. 13 ships and 33 aircraft. That is a big expedition. A lot of people, money, and manpower. All, you know, that is a lot of crap. I would love to have seen that. Uh, Oh, gosh. Just, you know, like, yeah, watched it roll out. Yeah. Yeah. And they had some specific objectives, according to the U.S. Navy report of the operation. Uh, They were one training personnel and testing equipment in frigid conditions were in Antarctica. So, check. Two, consolidating and extending the United States' sovereignty over the large, practicable area of the Antarctic continent, publicly denied as a goal even before the expedition ended. But come on, who doesn't want to plant a flag? The Nazis were dropping them from planes with spikes just to be like, oh, oh, we were there first. Number three was determining the feasibility of establishing, maintaining, and utilizing bases in the Antarctic and investigating possible base sites. Four, Developing techniques for establishing, maintaining, and utilizing air bases on ice with particular attention to later applicability of such techniques to operate in interior Greenland where conditions are comparable to those in Antarctic. So if it'll play in Peoria, <laughs> if you can do it in Antarctica, uh, it'll work in Greenland kind of thing. Number five, amplifying existing stores of knowledge of electromagnetic, geological, geographic, hydrographic, and meteorological propagation conditions in the area. So in other words, if there are natural resources to be had, we'll take them. Uh, And I'm sure others were uranium, coal, and everything else they could rape from the land. Element 115. We all know that's made off world because of its properties. We were told that by Lazar multiple times. So Uh, remember, uh, spoiler alert, there are ways to get off world in Antarctica (laughs) or in world Mm -hmm. Uh, supplementary objectives. This was number six supplementary objectives of the Nanook expedition, a smaller equivalent conducted off eastern Greenland. Let's recap for the kids. According to the public reasoning for the stated objectives for this thing, we're sending (laughs) nearly 5000 men, 33 ships. I mean, like like. A big, 
chunk of our operable fleet mm-hmm. a year after the end of the second major world war to Antarctica. Yeah. And we're doing it. We're doing it just to see if it's a good spot to have a base. Man, we can't even afford anything, but we're going to dump this kind of money into it for the said reason. Europe, Europe is a pile of rubble and Russia wants to take over every corner of it now that the war is over. But we're going to take a third of the fleet or whatever the percentage is down to Antarctica. Things have really changed since then, because right now Europe is trying to dig out of their own rubble and Russia is no Russia is still the same. So, uh, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's not, it's smaller. It's a lot smaller. (laughs) Hashtag Ukraine. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) It's trying to be bigger. Yeah. (laughs) There is an argument to be made geopolitically that the problem in the Ukraine is as much NATO's fault as it is Russia's. Because we keep setting up these nation states right on Russia's border and be like, hey, you can be you can be a democracy. I kind of just, you know, we're pushing the Western agenda. Anyway, that's another conversation. And every time someone moves in, the Russian people, or well, the Russian government is like, who was it? Who could it possibly be? Was it? Oh, I don't know. Say it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's how most of the world looks at the U.S., but <laughs> or anyone else. I mean, that isn't specifically the U.S., but yeah. Well, regardless of the current, uh, the current challenges with Russia, let's go back. Let's go back to to the 40s when it was a simpler time. Those were the stated goals, right? Yeah, those were their stated goals, but there is some suspicion and evidence that perhaps we had ulterior motives. (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't believe it. (laughs) We wouldn't have ulterior motives. The, the, The potential reality is that we went there for other reasons. What are those reasons, John? To fight Nazis. Everyone knows you just fight Nazis. Okay, check. And they were obviously setting up a, uh, they're kind of the Third Reich in New Swaziland or whatever it was called. Um, <laughs> it's uh, swabbing, swab, poop deck land. Something yeah, like that. Okay, that's it. That's it. Um, also, of course, to enter the hollow earth. Because of course. we all know that that's, the, that's where the entrance to the hollow earth Everyone is. Everyone knows that. Period. Discover aliens or, or you know, maybe we already knew they were there and continue our conversation, whatever. But aliens live in the hollow earth. And, you know, that's that's another reason we needed to go down. Also need to make sure that, like, you know, these silly Nazis weren't getting technology from the aliens, obviously. Right. And then and then, you know, I think my favorite, uh, make sure that we use altimeters while entering said hollow earth. So I want you to know. I did some extra research on altimeters. We'll get to that. And I found out some, some answers to your questions from last time. Mm, <laughs> will my, will my six year, uh, uh, uh obsession, uh, come to an end by the end of this program. Uh, but before we get into all that malarkey, I mean, facts, let's dive back into the freezing waters of the South pole, uh, or not so freezing waters as we find out, because, even at that time, there were some pools of warm water and like geothermal vents on Antarctica, but that's another thing. Anyway, I didn't really know that until I really looked into yeah, it. Yeah, that's actually true. That Regardless of if the hollow earth has an entrance there or it exists at all, there really are a couple warm places here and there. Mm-hmm. All right. Picture, if you will, we're painting this picture, mm. the year of our Lord, 1947, the year the Cold War officially began. Roswell, 
the Roswell blank happened, whatever you insert your, was it a weather balloon or aliens or a hoax or whatever? Chuck Yeager is the first person to break the sound barrier. Indian Pakistan tell Great Britain to pound sand. They get to break free from there. And one rear admiral by the name we have already said, Richard E. Bird Jr., is sent by James Forrestal, the Secretary of the Navy, to fight Nazis. Not just your run-of-the-mill goose-stepping dumb fucks in shiny boots who didn't get the memo that the war was over. Oh, no. We're talking Nazis who are flying real goddamn flying saucers in the hollow earth. <laughs> You're doing God's work doing flybys on dinosaurs like it's the fucking Savage Land straight out of Marvel Comics. Also <laughs> in Antarctic, by the way. All the while keeping notes on your private journal because that's what Uncle Sam expects and the taxpayers deserve. Real man shit. You know what I'm talking USA. 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 Does anyone else have an erection? Just Seabot? Is he the only one? <laughs> oh, Lord. I might have gotten a, a little out of hand there. Uh, Want to know what's something scary uh, outside of Nazis flying UFOs? That's, I think, in, in some people's heads, that's the monologue. That's their inner monologue soundtrack. <laughs> that plays. Basically, that, like from Team America, fuck yeah. <laughs> Good, fuck yeah. Anyway, uh, the whole fight Nazi thing is an alleged real reason for operation high jump. Even if you don't buy into the hole, they went into the hollow earth uh, to the, a lot of people to lay people. The cover was that it was the United States operation organized by, you know, for the, these aforementioned rear admirals. But why after just fighting an all consuming world war, would we deploy that kind of manpower and cost to the fucking Antarctic? I mean, strategic penguin weaponization movie. No, no, no. It was a training mission. Of course, as they said, you see the primary goal was to establish that little America for base. They say they do say, and in doing so the Navy could also spend time training personnel, testing equipment in cold conditions and determining the feasibility of establishing and maintaining bases in the Antarctic. That's what they said, John, it's almost the perfect cover to fight some Nazi aliens. It just makes sense. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait till we get there. But maybe we should take a break first. Maybe we should. We should come back uh, and and go over what happened. Yeah. And know. why? Why are we talking Nazi UFOs? We'll answer that. Where's the best spot to sniff John on his body? All that wait, and wait, more wait, coming up wait, after the break on Hysteria Fifty One. Still, still not a thing. <laughs> still not a thing. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> 
I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips you need language in life you need to brush up on stuff maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else somewhere you know who knows well if they're in the one of the 25 rosetta's gonna work for you and <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that and there is a 50 percent offer so it is a steal so don't put off learning language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Oh, Nation, we are back and we are not here to talk about Sniffing Me. However, we are here to talk about our visit to the Antarctic. We left from our North visit the- because we are actually broadcasting from there. That's we buried. Yes, the lead. yes. This is this is a live remote. <laughs> well, actually, we make that joke. There is a podcast I just read. Yes. The History Minuters. I forget what it's called. Um, History something that is traveling down there uh, mm-hmm. to do its podcast from some research station uh, in the Antarctic. And I got to tell you, that man or woman is much more dedicated to their craft. I tell you what, though, we all know they're not going to get there because they patrol those waters. Otherwise, they're going to get to the ice wall. So it's just not going to happen. Oh, the ice wall. It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> but honestly, if you could make it to the Antarctic, would you ever? No. To record to record your show? No. Oh, that sounds dumb. Maybe. I don't know. Am I in like one of those like fantastic boats that takes me there in a luxury cruise and I get out and I go, ha ha ha, dick, dick, joke, fuck, joke, dick, joke. No, you're probably, you're on like a, you're on a, a, like a. Things that have names like trawlers and icebreakers and I don't want to be in those. (laughs) You know, where, where you're happy because you're, you, the, the cot you sleep in, it's at 32 degrees. And uh, um, uh, the icicles only form on your feet. Yeah, uh, it, it it just sounds awful. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm I'm if I haven't communicated it enough that I uh, you know I like to keep things comfortable. Yeah, that that's definitely the case. Anyway, <laughs> so they uh, head to the Antarctic. <laughs> they head to the Antarctic, and we wouldn't be with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and and for you film buffs out there, they actually uh, filmed it uh, when they left on December 2nd, 1946. Uh, the Navy actually brought Hollywood out to make a commercial film called The Secret Land. Yeah, I threw a copy. There's a there's a link to a YouTube copy of it. It's not the greatest. There's a few others, but this one doesn't have 
at least it's stabilized and you can see like, you know, it's one of those shoes for industry shoes for state uh, building better <laughs> worlds. And you know, it's one of those, uh, heavily, uh, commercialized Pro- propaganda. propaganda. Yeah. Propagandized. Yeah. <laughs> the the U S doing propaganda. Come on now. Inconceivable. <laughs> so it's interesting. You know, it, we think of that time period in like American, um, uh, the American zeitgeist is, you know, just the proud of, you know, USA, USA government can do no wrong. But I mean, even then folks were questioning pretty immediately why we would do this, right? Why, right after yeah, I kind of stunk the high heaven to everybody. Yeah. I mean, why would we put this much money and this many resources into kind of uh, into what's stated as a research operation and, and like not even a, you know, when you look at uh, when you look at certain pieces of land around the world, some of them are key. For instance, getting our foothold in Midway allowed us to eventually attack Japan. Not exactly key real estate in Antarctica. Well, unless you know about some other entrances down there. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's funny you say that because people were like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. But they were also uh, smart enough where they believed that it was in the best interest of, of national security for the United States because – of people, the fact that people are talking about the oil, the coal, the uranium, the inner whatever that's down there. So uh, we'll turn a blind eye and we'll spend the money because obviously that's probably what they're doing because the Nazis were already there doing that. We might as well take over. Insert maniacal laughter in some dark room, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> See, the, it, it was not always frozen. That's the thing. I, I was talking about those things. That's the thing that a lot of people forget about. It used to be a temperate climate and lots of flora and fauna. That means oil and coal. And so uh, people are free to die in the search of it, by God, because that's the American and every other country's way. Side note about the ice. It's covered in ice now. Like I said, it used to be a temperate climate. The flora and fauna is because that stuff breaks down. That's what gives us our, our oil and coal. Uh, we said this in the last one, and I, I find this just a, a fascinating fact. If you're from Chicago, you've been to Chicago, the ice is nine Sears Towers thick. Think about that, man. <laughs> that is hard. You see the Chicago skyline every day. I can walk out to the end of my road, and I can see the Sears Tower. Actually, I, you know, it, it, this was in 2016. I wonder, you know, now, now six years later, uh, is it like six It's Sears $4 Towers Generals. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just, it's so, I mean, how big do you think it is right now? You know, this thing was so huge. It was, you know, bigger than Walmart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, some things just um, never get old. That's no, not one of them, don't. but some things just never get old. <laughs> I, I, and Brent, I got to tell you, all of this is nice, but it, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I can't imagine why we would do this, but from the get go, Things were not going well, I guess is the best way. Yeah, to say. they sent them out. And then just a few months later, here they come coming back, uh, tail between their legs, coming back much faster than than what was originally planned. Yeah, not only had they lost equipment, plane crashes, um, um, ship accidents, they uh, people had died. Yeah. Like, People literally died on this trip and not, not a small amount. Yeah. The public was like, what the hell happened? And the official response was due to the early approach of winter and worsening weather conditions. Um, and like you said, people died, uh, several planes crashed. They said due to weather, uh, a ship unloading accident, 
uh, and other, like they were also laying ice or cutting ice, making landing strips, and people were killed during that. All these uh, contributed the, oh, to loss the, of life. I mean, don't forget assets. the. Don't forget the major fight with Mecca Hitler. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet, allegedly. Oh, sorry, sorry. But sorry. The, so you bring that up. They go into this kind of safe face mode, and and Bird starts coming out. He was actually as soon as he got back, he goes on these shows and he starts talking. And this is where the the juicy the the meat and potatoes come from. So he goes out to talk about the the, the quote unquote lessons learned from the operation and interview with Lee Van Atta. Uh, I think that's how you say name an international news service uh, held aboard the expedition's command ship, the USS mountain Olympus. So he was still on ship. This interview appeared in the Wednesday, March 5th, 1947 edition of the Chilean newspaper, El Mercurio. And it's, it's literally, this is the jumping off point for so many questions because bird may or may not have made a lot of cryptic comments. What did he say, John? <laughs> well, here it, it, re- it reads in part, Quote, Admiral Byrd declared today that it was imperative for the United States to initiate immediate defense measures against hostile regions. The Admiral further stated that he didn't want to frighten anyone unduly, but that it was a bitter reality that in the case of a new war, the continental United States would be attacked by flying objects, <laughs> which could fly from pole to pole at incredible speeds. Admiral Byrd repeated the above points of view, resulting from his personal knowledge gathered both at the North and South Poles. Before a news conference held for International News Service. Great Scott! Yup. Aliens. Or strippers. <laughs> or alien strippers. Well, now he's I mean, got my they, attention. <laughs> he said jump pole to pole. I, yeah. I get it. Uh, that is literally, though, speaking of jumping, what people jump to. And I understand, like, fly from pole to pole in incredible speeds. That, I mean, it, it is crazy. Now come the unofficial claims, because that's what he claimed. Unofficial sources claim that Byrd and his forces encountered heavy resistance to their Antarctic venture from flying saucers. Called of it. course. He said saucers, not hookers. They weren't <laughs> flying either. This is a real reason they packed up and scooted home early says many a angel fire website. You see the Germans had developed a base in Antarctica during, and perhaps even before world war two. And it was well known that the German high command hung on believing that the new, the new weapons under development could turn the tide of the war back in Germany's favor. That part's true. They were experimenting with Antarctica. They were working on all sorts of these wound off these, these wonder weapons. And they thought that even in their darkest hour, something was going to come up and didn't help them. That much were true. The Allied are bombing the shit out of them, and the armies are closing in uh, on Germany from the east, the west, and the south. So it would be a no-brainer to move one of your most precious projects to somewhere beyond reach. And what literally is, is beyond reach from from us? The love of a woman. Antarctica, you fuck. <laughs> Jeez. My bad. <laughs> yeah, specifically, uh, didn't they? they I, I think I said it wrong earlier, but didn't they? They they actually had a name for it. It was um, New Swabia or New Swabenland. Land, yeah, yeah, which was yeah. their 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 New Swabenland, their, their mecca. You know, it was just you know their place to goose step and and see Heil and I don't know, grow their little Hitler mustache and, and their Hitler youth programs. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, the United States and in fact the hurt our allies suspected that German activity at the pole was continuing after the conclusion of the Second World War. 
There was just like in South America, they felt like things were going on. Yeah, like so. So it, it's hard. Paging it's important to kind of like like separate out these things. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. So let's just say for a moment that you don't believe in the Hollow Earth and all the not and the aliens and the stuff that we're that we're going to get to. There were po- folks that don't didn't believe in that stuff that still believed there was a decent contingent of Nazis in Antarctica re 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 kind of building the third trying to bring around whatever the fuck they had in mind originally they're yeah they're still and, out and, there. And, and kind of get back after world domination once they had a chance to lick their wounds yeah there was plenty of evidence at the time to indicate that in as late as as 47 uh elements of the kriegsmarine or german navy were still very much active in, in south atlantic operating either out of south america or some base previously unsuspected in the antarctic because there were u-boats and stuff they thought uh, still in the waters, and that's a scary thought. But well, there was more than one U-boat actually spotted in South America, right? Yeah, well, so I mean, the, the, that happened. Now, the question is, were they actually U-boats or just you know er- erroneous reports? And second, you know, were they literally just dropping off you know other other uh, Nazi uh, commanding officers to go you know live in the hills of South America, or you know was it something greater at play? Right. But German scrounging for oil and whale blubber after losing a war isn't the sexy story that aliens and the hollow earth really rings about. Enter the rest of the true story that's going to come up after this break on Hysteria of 51. Brent, I am not convinced that we are doing this topic any more justice today than we did it six years ago. Well, we're going to do it some more justice because we're about to get in the aliens. And I tell you what, John, the reason we know this <laughs> is specifically Bert's a hands-on man. He is. He's a pilot. He's a diary keeper. Uh, someone who likes to know his altitude at all times. All times. <laughs> Said times, not time, Seabot. <laughs> like I care. Really, really hitting on all cylinders. The, the, the memory of Joe Peck there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Bird being the pilot he was, he took upon himself to fly over Antarctica and to scope the place out as one is two. And he peeped more than he bargained for, some say. So how do we know this? Well, very easy. People say Admiral Bird had a secret diary where he described his trip to the hollow earth. You heard me right. The hollow earth mm-hmm. flying 1700 miles into a lush green land full of extinct or non never before known animals before having his plane taken over by flying saucers with swastikas on the side and being taken to the master who wanted him to tell the powers that be to stop using nuclear weapons. And don't forget he got lost because of the altimeter problem. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to pay attention to your damn altimeter. I love it that these these diaries come into play. John, let's let's let Bird do the talking. Run us through his official entries and then the alleged entries. I say official entries. There's no official diary. <laughs> right. But, so so I suppose they're all uh, Run us down through what happened in the diary. What he experienced in said Hollow Earth. Oh, 0600 hours. All preparations are complete for our flight northward, and we are airborne with fuel tanks at 0610. 0620. 
Fuel mixture on starboard engine seems too rich. Adjustment made and Pratt Whitney's are running smoothly. See, they throw that in because then it just seems so real. Exactly. I mean, why would they have that otherwise? 0730, radio check with base camp. All is well and radio reception is normal. 0740, uh, note slight oil leak in the starboard engine. Oil pressure indicator seems normal, however. 0800, slight turbulence noted from easterly direction at altitude of 2321. See, he knows where he is. Correction to 1,700 feet. No further turbulence, but tailwind increasing. Slight adjustment in throttle controls. Aircraft performing well now. 815. Radio check with base camp. Situation normal. 0830. Turbulence encountered again. Increase altitude to 2,900 feet. Smooth flight conditions again. 0910. Vast ice and snow below. Note coloration of yellowish nature and disperse in a linear pattern. Altering course for a better examination of the color pattern below. Note reddish or purple color also. Circle the area two full turns and return to assigned compass heading. Position check made again to base camp and relay information concerning colorations in the ice and Shit's snow Shit's getting wonky, he's saying. We didn't expect those colors. <laughs> Who peed? 0910, both magnetic and gyro compasses begin to gyrate and wobble. We are unable to hold our heading by instrumentation. Take bearing with sun compass, yet all seems well. The controls are seemingly slow to respond and have sluggish quality, but there is no indication of icing. <laughs> 0915, in the distance is what appears to be mountains. 0949, 29 minutes elapsed flight time from the first sighting of the mountains. It is no illusion. They are mountains and consisting of a small range that I have never seen before. And nor has anyone because they're not at any maps nor any time that anyone had flown over and taken readings, so to speak. <laughs> 0955, altitude change to 2950, encountering strong turbulence again. I like it. He, he's keeping us abreast of his, his altitude and everything at every turn. It's got to be real. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we are at 10 o'clock. Uh, we are crossing over the small mountain range and still proceeding northward as best as can be ascertained. Beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with a small river or stream running through the center portion. There should be no green valley below. Is that a is that a giant? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> green giant. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. There's so many peas. <laughs> uh, something is definitely wrong and abnormal here. We should be over ice and snow. To the port side are great forests growing in the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are still spinning. The gyroscope is oscillating back and forth. 1005, I alter the added, um, I alter the altitude to 1400 feet and execute a sharp left turn to examine the valley below. It is green with either moss or a type of tight-knit grass. The light here seems different. I cannot see the sun anymore. We make another turn left and we spot what seems to be a large animal of some kind below. Boom, we're getting we're getting juicy now. It appears to be an elephant. No, it looks more like a mammoth. <laughs> this is incredible. Yet there it is. Decrease altitude to 1,000 feet. Take binoculars to better examine the animal. It is confirmed. It is definitely a mammoth-like animal. <laughs> Report this to base. It is animal. definitely a mammoth-like animal. Like animal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go crazy here and call it an actual mammoth. <laughs> 10.30. Encountering more rolling green hills now. The external temperature indicator reads 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Continuing on our heading now. Navigation instruments seem normal now. I am puzzled over their actions. Attempt to contact base camp. Radio is not functioning. Mm. 
1130. Countryside below is more level and normal. If I may use that word. <laughs> he's so he's, uh, clever, clever. Ahead, we spot what seems to be a city. Uh-oh. This, this is impossible. I, I would say improbable. It's not impossible if he's seeing it. Come on now. That's true. That's true. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The controls refuse to respond. My God, off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They are closing (laughs) rapidly alongside. They are disc-shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They are close enough now to see the markings on them. It is a type of swastika. sons of bitches. His His next phrase after it is a type of swastika is awesome. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. That wouldn't be my response. Anyway, where are we? (laughs) Where are we? (laughs) What has happened? I tug at the controls again. They will not respond. We are caught in an invisible vice grip of some type. That's he's. I mean, he's descriptive. Mm Eleven thirty-five. Our radio crackles, and a voice comes through in English with what perhaps is a slight Nordic or Germanic accent. The message is, "Welcome, Admiral, to our domain. We shall land you in exactly seven minutes." Relax, Admiral. You are in good hands. I might have added the maniacal laugh. Anyway, I note the engines of our plane have stopped running. Uh, the aircraft is under some strange control and now turning itself. The controls are useless. 1140 hours. Uh, another radio message received. We begin the landing process now, and in moments, the plane shudders slightly and begins a descent as though caught in some great unseen elevator. The downward motion is negligible. And we touched down with only a slight jolt. Mm. Oh, so he, so he was uh, he was he is he was flying a VTOL. Is what you're saying, right? Yeah, they they had those. Eleven forty five. I am making a hasty last entry into the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot toward our aircraft. They are tall with blonde hair. In the distance is a large shimmering city pulsating with rainbow hues of color. I do not know what is going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on the approach. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply. End log. Now that we've know the truth, it was the TVA, and that was just the TVA Society. Uh, yes, because yes. he was a variant. But at the time, I'm sure it was very, very terrifying for him. I, I just love that he was like had the wherewithal. All this is happening. He's like, I better make a note. I better make a no, note. That's the thing. I better make I, a I'm note. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I we we got after this in the original, but. Um, so you're telling me that while all this is going on, not just the most incredible thing you've ever seen in your life, but multiple never most incredible things you've ever seen in your life <laughs> <laughs> on chili dog yeah. night, um, the, it, it, all of this is going on and you have half of the time that you're up there is spent writing in your book. <laughs> no way. Come on. I, I would have, this is all true. I would have been after. spending my time going, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. And pissing myself. But I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> I mean, especially when <laughs> the mammoths and the, they took over with the, uh, flying, uh, Nazi aliens who just so happened to look like the perfect little Aryans with their blonde hair and tall and, sure they had blue eyes and everything else the thing is you said the end uh ends log there and from there he was uh quote unquote brought to see the master so the rest of this was he said he entered in from memory 
because he couldn't enter it in on the fly. He didn't have it. And is this, this is really an entree into the original Manos, the Hands of Fate. Man, the master will see you now. If you haven't seen that, well, good for you. But if you, <laughs> you should probably look it up anyway, though. Uh, he was offered a beverage because they're not savages, duh. Then he speaks with the master. And there was some more to this. I cut out some of the basic bits, but uh, the important stuff's here. So he says, we have let you enter here because you are of noble character and well-known on the surface world, Admiral. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bomb over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugerads, to your, uh, and I'm sure I'm saying that perfectly. Otherwise, go ask them. uh, 100%. (laughs) To your surface world to investigate what your race had done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral. But I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity. But now we must. For you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man. Namely, that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world. And yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be witness here that our world does exist. You see our culture and science is many thousands of years beyond your race, Admiral. So why would we want to go into the surface and take over the whole world? We can live in a pocket inside it. I put that part in there because this makes no fucking sense. Anyway, your race has now reached the point of no return for there are those among you who would destroy your very world rather than relinquish their power as they know it. In 1945 and onward, we tried to contact your race, but our efforts were met with hostility. Our flugelrads were fired upon, as he'd already said. Yes, even pursued with malice and animosity by your fighter planes. So now I say to you, my son, there is a great storm gathering in your world, a black fury that will not spend itself in many years. There will be no answer in your arms. There will be no safety in your science. It may rage on until every flower of your culture is trampled and all human things are leveled and in vast chaos. Now, wait, wait a second. What, what kind of weird euphemism is that? <laughs> every flower of your culture is trampled. <laughs> I mean, we're all flowers in someone's eye. So gross. I, I mean, guess. I am. I don't know about Does you. Does it mean like there's giants? I, I, I don't know. Your recent war was only a prelude of what is yet to come for your race. We here see it more clearly with each hour. We see at a great distance a new world stirring from the ruins of your race, seeking its loss in legendary treasures, and they will be here, my son, safe in our keeping. When that time arrives, we shall come forward again to help revive your culture and your race. Well, that's, I mean, come on, that's sporting of them. Listen, you guys fucked up, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to slap you around a bit, but when the time comes... We'll be here for you. We'll we'll pick you we'll pick you up. We'll dust you off. Give you a little band aid for that skin knee, and send you on your merry fucking. John, way. this is just like everything we've been talking about this with with David and I on here about how there's something you need to know. Your people need to know this. It is of great, the utmost importance. And I'm going to secretly tell you so that when you go and tell others, no one's going to believe. And I'll be no damned if I'm going to come forward and show them when I could easily say, "Hey, we're really here." Now go save yourself. 
No. Do you have like a like no. even a even a even a business card? Can, can I have a business card to like like hey look uh, you know I, I talked to the great I mean, the grand at least Barney Hill came home with space herpes. I mean he had something to show for us. <laughs> you know, come on, man. I, I just I don't know. It ends with perhaps by then you will have learned the futility of war and its strife, and after that time, certain of your culture and science will be returned to your race to begin anew. You, my son, are to return to your surface world with that message. The problem, like I said, is it's just such a, um, we're better than you. We know better. And, uh, but we're not going to help you other than vague promises of these things. Doesn't that bother you? Like, why is that always the case? It's pretty inefficient way. If they really wanted to communicate these messages, it's a pretty inefficient way to do it. You know, he, he said there, we have technology thousands of years ahead of you. Well, literally today, not 80 years later, we could easily communicate worldwide with everybody if we so chose. And they are thousands mm-hmm. of years ahead. Um, but in you know, by being thousands of years ahead, they thought the most economical way to get the word out was to kidnap one plane with Admiral Byrd on it, tell him everything, and then send him on his merry fucking right. way. M- Marshall Applewhite had a fucking pamphlet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But we're supposed to just take someone's word for it? Nay, I say. I don't know, man. Wait, it's just these. Are you saying? Are you saying that the Nazis were behind Hale Bop? I'm not saying they are. I'm not saying they're not. You know, I'm just. <laughs> I'm not a snitch. I'm just here to ask the questions. All right, Giorgio. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Could it be? Oh, that was, yeah, could it be that that was the other thing from the uh, first episode? I went back and listened. Could it be? I didn't even know Giorgio's name. I'm like that guy on that show. The crazy hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John hit us with, there's like two more short little entries, uh, supposedly because he got back on this plane. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that, now that we've gone through all of that, uh, uh, 220, we are again over vast areas of ice and snow and approximately 27 minutes from base camp. We radioed them. They respond. I mentioned I need some new underwear. <laughs> I threw in the last one. Um, we report all conditions normal. Base camp expresses relief at our reestablished contact. And then at three o'clock, we land smoothly at base camp. I have a mission. Man. It, yeah. The, so the, there ends the log entries of this. Now, of course, the secret diary was conveniently found decades later and released. You know what they say, Brent, whenever you're, you're like logging a very specific, specific event, end it with the most nebulous, uh, uh, statement that you possibly mm-hmm. can. I have a mission ellipses. He was on a mission from God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. I, now not to, uh, not to confuse people with, with more nonsense, but uh, they pulled a Tesla and said, uh, said diaries missing now again, they found it, they released the stuff and then it disappeared. It doesn't stop there though. Many people have claimed to have seen the openings to the hollow earth. That's just how it goes. Been taken there by these Aryan beings or reptilians who are fighting the Aryans for control of the earth, depending on who you ask. Some say the Aryans are the Nordic aliens we've learned about before. It's all intertwined. They sound like pussies. I will enjoy killing them soon. What? They are just a bunch of pacifist douche nozzles. Don't fight. Kumbaya. Hakuna ma suck my dick. In the immortal words of Jack Handy, I can picture in my mind a world without war, a world without hate. And I can picture us attacking that world, 
because they'd never expect it. <laughs> <laughs> truly sucks so bad. Oh my God. John, oh, is this great. diary real? I beg of you to answer. Well, there's the positives and the negatives. The negatives, you know, it doesn't really seem all that believable. However, that whole not really knowing what um, what height he was at, uh, the, 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 the not having the proper altimeter <laughs> leads me to believe that it's probably 100% accurate. They said in reading online that it, altimeters work with like barometric pressure. So even in caves, altimeters and stuff will work you know, relative to to where you are. So the fact that it right. didn't work, I don't know. I'm calling, I'm calling bananas on it. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. It, it's why the jump to this? Like, I, I understand that people didn't want to believe that they just expended all that money and it was kind of a jump, you know, a, a junk exercise. People then read or heard what Admiral Byrd had said. And it was kind of weird, but uh, why is the hollow earth such an appealing thing and aliens and shit like that? Well, here's, here, here's, I think what, what it would, let's, let's do a thought experiment, Brent. Let's just say for one second that this didn't happen. <laughs> okay. I, oh. I know I'm going out on a limb here. So Admiral Byrd obviously has an agenda. He tries to further set agenda first in the Chilean newspaper. There's also plenty of clips of him on TV shows being interviewed later where he says some other weird and kind of mysterious shit he never says anything to the extent that like is in this supposed journal that appeared and disappeared. Right. So if for sec- if in this fake world that, that none of this happened, um, Matt, you know, if you were trying to propagate bullshit, because it, for, like you can always ask the question why, but why does anybody lie about anything? You know, we, we know for a fact that plenty of U- UFO sightings have been falsified, mm-hmm. when, you know, and, and that plenty of supposed uh, abductions never happen. You know, people have a myriad reasons why they make shit mm-hmm. up. But the point is, if you're an enterprising person who saw these nebulous statements from Admiral Byrd, you're like, I could create a narrative around that, release this fake book and then make it conveniently disappear so no one can analyze it. And now it has written in the lore that this is what happened with Operation High Jump. And also it's funny because interestingly enough, the master was like, oh, we've already contacted your people and they told us to pound sand, but we're going to tell you and it's going to be different. And then if even this was real, he goes back and they're like, yeah, we know. Fuck that guy. That's what's up. <laughs> so yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. you know, so then the, if I was Admiral Bird, I either would have tried to yell this from the rooftops or I would have just buried it forever. Um, it's always those diaries. Maybe one day it's like, we found his hidden blog, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> the podcast episodes that no one was supposed to hear. Dun, dun, dun. The unreleased. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> the, well, you know, the other thing, the other thing that goes along with this is first off, there are enough, like so many of these stories that we've talked about over the years, Brent, there's, there, you know, there are pieces of truth hidden amongst mm-hmm. the lies. So, you know, we did, we did organize this big of a, uh, of a, um, expedition. Yeah. And so, you know, that, and that begs questions. It does not make sense why we'd send that, that much, we, why we'd utilize that many resources a year after getting out of uh, the second world right. war to go to a frozen block of ice. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. So then you can go, well, you know, if the Nazis were piddling around down there, kind of makes sense for us to go down there and, and make sh- make sure to kick their shit in and, and move on. Um, so, you know, maybe that was happening. And then, you know, there's, there, 
there's also that there's pieces of like we do know that there are parts of Antarctica that can have like these warm mm-hmm. pools. And and like so you just take all these little things that are nuggets like of truth and, and, and little nuggets of truth and then yeah, and then tie them together with all these um outlandish claims about, you know, the hollow earth and aliens and, and Nazi Nazi UFOs. And, and actually I don't even know when they say swastika. Are they? He said a type of. Are they trying to imply that it's not the Nazi? See, I would say because like the swastika the, is in a lot of cultures, and yeah, it does not yeah, mean it's a good, anything. It's back way past being, beyond the Nazi, and the Nazis actually flipped it around. I yeah, mean. the Nazi swastika is his own type of swastika. We got a friend from college who lives overseas now in Thailand, and he's like, one of the crazy things is you see swastikas everywhere, but they're their own version. It's not like the the Nazi one. But yeah, they're 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 squared versus uh, I turned, believe and, I'm, and I'm, some of them have dots with them and stuff. It just and, means like you know yeah, peace and yeah. love and and uh, not extermination of the Jews. Uh, spoiler. So what I'm unclear on is like, was he saying that these swastikas were implied that that they were already interacting with Nazis? Uh, see, I don't know. So I, just a- so two things here. Number one, I didn't take it as that it was the Nazi swastika. Number two, if you remember, so the the Nazis were dabbling in this whole stuff with the Aryans, and they thought that those were they were derivatives of those people. So I took oh, it yeah, as this all, is all that awfulness. These were the people that the Nazis were. Uh, they were saying that they were Thought from. they were descended from. Well, but and and then and but if the funny part is if you go back to uh, to Bird's statement in the Chilean newspaper, he literally talks about Nazi UFOs, mm-hmm. right? So he's implying that absolutely there were Nazi UFOs, but the the book or the 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 report or uh, um, with, with all the notes that we just went through is implying that perhaps they weren't. And then said Nazi UFOs were why so many meat sacks died and the Navy turned tail and ran home so fast, they got their asses handed to them by superior alienated firepower. Anyway, just a lot lot of inconsistencies, but man, this was a good one. This was a good one for our first episode because it, it, I mean, it really hit so many of the, uh, uh, the corners of the world of the weird that that we would go on to cover in. Well, right. Like, so the thing about it was, this was arbitrarily picked and then we learned, well, it involved the Nazis. Okay. We'll check. It involved military forces and hiding things. Check. It involved aliens giving messages to someone that they could easily deliver to the population in mass. But instead of saying, you need to do this on your own and no one's going to believe you. Pat, pat, pat on the back. Good job. Good luck, buddy. Uh, otherwise, we're probably going to have to kill you. Um, it's yeah. just such a weird, these, I hate to say tropes, but that's kind of what it feels like in a lot of them. And, and then you have your flying saucers and the military is hiding, you know, the the losses. And and then other people go, I seen it. I was there too. And the reptilians took me, but the reptilians were fighting the Aryans. The Aryans are the good people. And uh, these Aryans, not the Aryans from the Nazi Germany, but these Aryans is in the aliens. It's just this banger on all cylinders of things that we found these tropes throughout all the years we've been in the podcast. And uh, little did we know that it would kind of fire on all cylinders right off the bat. It's funny, too. Like, you would think after this big of a failure um and after all the weirdness that came out and then bird himself out there saying crazy shit he didn't do himself any favors 
he, he was on TV saying a lot of weird stuff. He, at one point he claimed that Antarctica in the future would become the most important place in the world for science. Yeah. Um, like it, he never came out and said, I saw UFOs, but he said a lot of strange and odd things. Live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. And so then 10 years later, almost in 1955, he was appointed to as the officer in charge for the U.S. Navy for Operation Deep Freeze. Mm-hmm. And basically, that was a bit more of a straightforward uh, uh, mission to establish a permanent U.S. military presence in Antarctica, and they, in which they did. And it was also his last trip to Antarctica before his death uh, uh, just a, a year later. Back when they, yeah, um, when you were in the military till you die, you know, the real old, I mean, yeah. not that it's not that now, but... Uh, you know, it's a lot less of these old, old ass fucks in there. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and that's that, you know, I just thought it was interesting after all that. They're like, yeah, go lead another expedition. Right. Uh, you've said some weird things to the public. Why don't you be in charge of explaining something else? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and by the way, now maybe this explains it. Did you know that bird was an active Freemason? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there yeah, it is. He, and I bet his, his. Uh, well, he's a Freemason when he wasn't uh, moonlighting as a Knights Templar. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was a time traveler. Yeah, yeah, it's just this is the story that, that keeps giving. Now, I guess before we move on to the last bit, is there any chance that uh, they went into the Hollow Earth and saw the stuff in your mind, John, or uh, or is that a no go? No. <laughs> This isn't even one you go, well, then why did you say those weird things, John? Why? Why? Hold a pull. Because bird was batshit crazy and other people were feeding into it. That's all. I I don't know if he caught typhoid fever at some point and like, you know, uh, it screwed up his mind. I have no idea. I don't know why I pulled out typhoid (laughs) fever either. But my point is, I he's no, he's he's none of this happened. They went down there. They they mishandled things. That some people died. They were in trouble. And on their way back, like I don't know if Bird was trying to do a self preservation thing. Like I got some people killed. Maybe I'm going to throw out an outlandish story, uh, or if uh, if it was just true mental illness. I I have no idea. But uh, no, none. Of the, I will say this: Bird coined a famous term. They were going there. They were taking so many men. They didn't have enough beds and everything for everyone. And they knew they were going to the arctic so he actually coined the term pull to pull hold a hole never pulled a hole so he is famous for that at least <laughs> yeah. i suppose the one other thing the one other thing that we could acknowledge is a possibility we've I, i'm just trying to move past that uh we, we we could we could acknowledge the possibility that this was another classic u.s government don't look at what this hand's doing look at what this hand's doing yeah, let's go ahead and tell people we were, you know, hunting Nazis and aliens in the Hollow Earth down there. Let's re- accidentally release that, uh, so you don't you don't know the fact that we're actually like fracking in, you know, fracking right. in Antarctica or something. Well, there was also the other people that said, well, what actually happened is we went down there looking for Nazis, found them, and they stomped a mud puddle in our asses. Um, was another thing, you know, and <laughs> oh yeah, and we turned tail and, 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 and came, came home, home yeah. and this was just a. Um, you know, they manufactured the UFO aspect to cover up what really happened, which was uh, that the Nazis have a base there. And Hitler and his Wunderwaffe. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's all pick your poison. You, you know what? It's uh, 
you can you can go down any conspiracy road you want on this one, and there's going to be a story and and people talking about it. It's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to say the least. That's true. Uh, but we want to do this one for another reason. John is something that we've we've come up to. You've been you've been out from the show for a while uh, because you've. You've taken on new responsibilities in your work, and then you had your second child, and you took some time off to figure out, and you've uh, come to a decision. Yeah, I. Uh, so yeah, no jokes here, guys. This one's for real. I'm uh, I'm stepping away from the podcast. Um, I've been we've been doing this. I think we've said multiple times today for uh, for six years. And, uh, you know, life has, life has changed pretty significantly for me since uh, the start of it. And, you know, to do a show like this, it really is a, a, a full-time commitment. We, we joke about not doing research. We do a lot and we vet a lot and we talk to a lot of people outside of this. And I quit my job six years ago. I've been doing this full-time, just this show right. for six years. And I've been trying to ham and egg along doing both, you know, um, a day job and night job and, and while Brent, you've been great, you know, that, supporting you don't have and, to say that everyone knows that of, that's, that's dumb. Redundant. Yeah, a lot of the responsibilities <laughs> it it's become, it's become a little bit more than, than I can handle. And, and so, um, while I have loved every moment of it and, and, you know, I have, will continue to be a huge fan from the sidelines. I'm, I'm taking a step back from the show and, and, uh, um, you know, I, I got to say the 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 hardest part about this, other than I mean, yes, I enjoy on a week to week basis just getting on here and bullshitting. Um, that's always fun. But the hardest part about this, you know, certainly is is walking away with you know all of you awesome listeners. You know, we started. I remember when we when we launched and we would sit there and refresh our <laughs> uh, hosting service to to see how if, when our downloads went from twenty five to twenty. I remember like one day, like one of our first days, we were at like sixty three downloads. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> then it went over a hundred, yeah. and you're like, well, now we've done are like we, are you we know we've done like twenty now? million downloads uh, with our whole back catalog. Now it's funny to look back on that, and you go, wow. Like, you know, and, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that we were excited for that. I'm glad that we still get excited about everything else. You know, it's, and we did oh, it together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's been a, it's been a really fun journey. And if you think back, we didn't realize it at the time because we were already avid podcast fans, but we were pretty early in the podcast. Uh, the, I guess the newer run of yeah. podcasts. I mean, of course there was the Mark Marins and this week in tech that go back, you know, 10, 15 years, but, uh, um, you know, in this kind of latest run, this latest kind of um, bubble, this uh, not bubble, this latest growth uh, uh, time period in the podcast space, we were kind of at the uh, at the forefront of it. And that was it was a lot of fun watching. I mean, look how easy it is to get into podcasting now versus even 2016. Mm-hmm. Like the you mentioned earlier, the equipment, the the amount of software, the amount of hardware out there that is just so easily accessible, cheaper and and can make you a world class broadcaster, at least sound wise in, in a matter of minutes. Yeah, it's interesting. And give you a little peek of that too, like what you're saying is so you heard that little clip in the beginning, and if you go back to any of our first ones, we did sound terrible. Within first launching, this is not tuning our horn, it's just giving into that whole different world. We hit number sixty four on iTunes overall charts, the whole world, like in our first month as podcasting. We got very lucky yeah. for some reason, like people were coming in and they wanted to hear, maybe it was because of ancient aliens, maybe whatever. And our spin on it, we got very lucky. And because of that, and because of your hard work behind that, we then were offered to take this show on to how stuff works. And then how stuff works got bought out by iHeart, And, and, uh, we went ahead and, and went on with iHeart. and we were an iHeart show 
then we were, uh, we decided that it wasn't for us and we left and went back to independent and we've kind of been for the gamut things we haven't even talked about for the show. How many times have you and I shot for TV stuff or worked on TV? That's never been on TV, including our own TV show uh, based on the show. I, it, it turned into it for a while. It turned into a part-time job doing screen and, and stupid it, stuff because it, it, everyone and their dog wanted the hysteria 51 TV show until it came time to put money into it. <laughs> In theory. Yeah. I I'd like to think it's not because they actually saw the screen test and like, boy, those motherfuckers are ugly. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was one of those things where you learn, you, you, you learn a lot as you go. You know, so we've been through the whole gamut uh, of everything. And, you know, Nation, I just want to say uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being so supportive over the years. Thank you for those of you who have sent kind words. For those of you that, like our friend Glenn, who write, who, who make awesome art about the podcast, Denny, you as well. Um, too many to name, but the point is that the, the whole reason this show has worked, the whole reason that it's enjoyed any kind of a stop, modicum. Stop, stop. If I could blush, I would be right now. <laughs> is not Seabot. Uh, a modicum of success is is all you Hysteria Nation. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And, um, and I can't wait to continue to listen to the show as an avid fan. Because Brent, just because I'm leaving, Hysteria 51 is not going anywhere. Yeah, so two things real quick. Number one, everyone, since you've been gone for you know a while, I was like, John's gone. He's not ever coming back. We actually came to this decision a week ago. Like we had to have a talk, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was like, it was like a premonition or something. Everybody like, uh, uh, you know, somebody read the tea leaves. Yeah. Uh, number two, David Flora of blurry photos is officially coming in full time. He's taking over Yay! for, for John to be the, uh, as you said earlier, the, the yang to my yin, <laughs> uh, the yin to your yang, he can be the yang to my yin or whatever. So great. And David is fantastic. And he is a, he's been podcasting longer than we have. Uh, yeah, OG, OG. Yeah. And now it's it's kind of like, uh, it's interesting. It's two hosts that were originally with other yeah. co-hosts that have, you know, with your powers yeah, combined. And then uh, John Goforth and Dave Stecco are starting the uh, Fart Loudly podcast uh, on anger. <laughs> <laughs> on anger. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're doing it we're, because Brent... Because you'd never do it. We're doing a YouTube yeah. uh, show. Okay. Uh, and we're going to become, we're going to become fitness influencers. <laughs> it's called a uh, uh, TJ and the Badger mornings on uh, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you think that we used to have a lot of uh, uh, radio, uh, dumb audio drops on this. It's just all it is. <laughs> it j- just one after the, it's, it's like uh, the morning. Yeah, zoo. yeah right. exactly. So, uh, yeah, Brent, you you asked me what are what are some of my uh, favorite memories from this little run? Do you have a favorite memory or or, or anything? I you know a, a couple come to mind. Um, I it was a ton of fun just because we got to meet so many fans when we went to Alien Con yep. a few years ago. Yep. Um, I really really enjoyed. Uh, oddly enough, uh, when we stayed overnight at the Congress hotel and went breaking in literally into various- like everything that's barred and the doors are locked. We can Jimmy those doors, right? And security comes uh, in. We're like, I'll just look my shoulder around and act like you don't know. You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it worked for a while. No ghosts, but we had nope. some fun. Um, that was, a, and I got to tell you the, the most fun, the, the, I, and it's not a specific memory, but the most fun is just. 
been getting together over these years and, and just laughing until we can't yeah. uh, breathe yeah. uh, just from, and it's from rabbit holes we go down that we didn't even know were going to happen before the show. So we don't script out the show. We have outlines and our outlines just give us the basics. You know, Admiral Byrd did this, Admiral Byrd did that. Um, you know, if we don't, uh, you get lost and you're like, did I, did we talk about that? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did I even talk, did I even mention that? Yeah. So, so much of it has just been impromptu and, 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 you know, kind of, uh, you know, just what happens in the moment. And some of those, some of those holes we went down, especially when it would be like you, me and mm-hmm. Peck, uh, and you know, what should have been a 40 minute show turns into an hour and a half monstrosity. Yeah. Because then when we're finally done with the left turn we took, Peck goes down another aisle of about the Simpsons or something. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're the guy from New York and I, you know, it's just, it all, it all blows up in a, in a, just a beautiful way. And I will say this, John and I are, have been friends our whole life. He still lives around here. I'm sure you're going to hop on the show from time to time. You're not going away forever. You're just not, uh. Oh no, I'm fucking done. <laughs> this is it. Uh, <laughs> did, you didn't read my writer. <laughs> you will never. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that that last piece of uh, that last piece of documentation we signed. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, you can no longer use my voice. You can use the old episodes, but you have to go in and have Dave record exactly what I David record exactly right. what I said over, over my top voice. of it. It is funny, Nishi. You probably don't realize, but like, so we have a company. We 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 do this, you know, with everything. When John is leaving, we had to sign all these documents. You're like, I feel like we're getting divorced. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah. like, yep. Then lawyers have to draft up things and stuff. So all that for a dick and fart joke uh, podcast about aliens and, and ghosts. So, yeah, that's true. But the big difference is we were, we were well, we were fighting for custody. Only it was who was going to have to take the, the robots. Part. <laughs> <laughs> you won, Brent. Are you lost? Because you, you're keeping them. I'm just happy I get two Christmases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, well, uh, that's been our thoughts on why John sucks and why I'm firing him, I think is, is the way to end this. <laughs> <laughs> is that how that works? That's what I'm going to tell people. It's something that's like what I'm going to tell people. <laughs> uh, so for the last time as an official, uh, host, that's been our thoughts on the, uh, the, 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 the redux of operation high jump. I, I won't say, I won't say, uh, what is it? Wait, how do you say, I won't say goodbye. I'll say until next time or better yet better yet the the old dr seuss don't be sad that it's over be glad that it happened i'm glad this episode is over i'll tell you that i'm glad it's, it's corny as fucking possible just uh anyway. well nation i love you thank you you got it with that said i'm in brent i've been john he's been conspiracy bot stay woke meat sex it was terrible it was just terrible i'll never get over it as long as i live That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. Say goodbye 
fear credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.